Lena, A Love Chronicles Short Story, Part 3, by T.A. Walker. Copyright 2018, T.A. Walker. All rights reserved. No part of this book may be reproduced in any form or by any electronic or mechanical means, including information storage and retrieval systems, without permission in writing from the publishers. Publisher, Kindle Direct Publishing. The characters and events in this book are fictitious. Any similarity to real persons living or dead is coincidental and not intended by the author. Read by the author, T.A. Walker. Hi, my name is Joyce. You will enjoy this trilogy and not want to put it down. You will smile, laugh, and cry, but you will not want to stop reading. You will love Nicolo and Lena's love story. Thank you. Dedication to Bagu. All I ever needed was one. Thank you. One, I don't have a home. I doubt I ever will. Until three years ago, Italy was my home. But that fantasy is dead, and there's nothing I can do to get it back. I wanted to leave Italy a year and a half ago, but I hung on for Nicola. Everything I do is for her, except this. This is the one decision in three years that is for me, and I hate myself for it. I don't want to lose the only family I've known all this time, the same way I lost my best friend back in St. Louis. Like Natalie, they won't be able to see beyond their own hurt for long enough to see mine. They'll write me off as an evil woman who wishes to add misery on top of misery to their lives. Every night, Nicola climbs into my bed and burrows into my arms. I don't sleep until she does. The house is too quiet at night for my mind to let go. Are you sleeping, Mommy? Nicola tries to pull my eyelids apart with her tiny fingers. If I was, I wouldn't be now, sweet. Good morning. She plants a loud kiss on my cheek that I know all too well. She wants to go to Grandma's for breakfast. I don't. Any other time, I'm game, but I can't face her or Daphne yet. Not until I have nerve enough to tell them that we are leaving. Maria scoops Nicola into her arms and rakes her hands through her black curls to kiss her full cheeks. Seeing them kiss and cling to each other makes my stomach churn. I can't blame them for hating me for this. They need her. But if I don't get away from the daily memorial service of Nicola's life, I'm going to wither away. 
Maria hands Nicola off to me so she can pull herself together before she serves breakfast. I walk Nicola to the kitchen and sit her in Daphne's lap. Ever since Nicola died, Daphne's cocktail hour gets earlier. Now she doesn't hesitate to turn up the lambrusco instead of eating for breakfast. I can't judge her for it. I can only imagine the horror she's seen in 85 years of life. She's seen a husband, her son-in-law, and grandson die. If anybody deserves to have a drink straight out of bed in the morning, it's her. A bigger part of me than I would ever admit wants to have a glass of wine with her. It's the only thing that seems like it'll stay down. No thanks. She shrugs her bony shoulders and pours herself a double. I want some. No, Maria and I say to Nicola. She pouts into Daphne's shoulder. What's wrong with a little sip? I had it at every meal in my day, Daphne says. I won't let you taint my baby, Maria says. You're all babies, and I'll taint whomever I please. Maria pulls Nicola off of Daphne's lap. Mama! Maria scowls at the wine glass after Nicola's arms link around her neck. You're no stranger to the fruit of the vine, Maria. There's a time for it, and you know the first meal of the day isn't the time. It's time when I say it's time. Who's to say I'll make it to this magical time you're talking about? The kitchen goes silent. Here, Maria places Nicola on my lap. I've got breakfast to make. She snatches her apron off the hook next to the pantry and ties it up so tight it fits like a corset. None for me, thank you, Daphne says. Oh, I bet. What was that, young lady? Daphne pulls her hunched body up to as straight a stance as she can manage. Ma, why must you be so feisty when Nika's here? Lena won't bring her back if you keep behaving the way you do. Is it true? Would you keep her away from her great-grandmother? Two. Mommy, where are we going? Nowhere, honey. But Bisnona said... Bisnona wasn't for real, was she? Maria bucks her eyes at her mother. I wasn't. She smiles at Nicola, but frowns at Maria. I'm going to watch my soap operas. She refuses me when I offer to take her glass for her. I've got it. How do you two think I do anything when I'm by myself? She shuffles off, leaving us looking after her. I swear she gets meaner by the day. I've seen meaner. So have I, Maria admits. Nicola joins in on our laughing, looking confused the whole time. Thank you for having breakfast with us this morning. To what do we owe the pleasure? We usually don't see you until after your work day is over. My boss had other plans. Oh.
I see. She pinches Nicola's dimple at the bottom corner of her mouth. I can tell by the sheen glistening in Maria's eyes that she's thinking the same thing I am. After breakfast, Daphne trades another glass of wine for Nicola's company in her room. I never know what to say to you, Maria says in English. What does that mean? I know the answer to how you're doing. To ask seems cruel, yet not asking seems neglectful. So at the risk of seeming cruel, how are you? I shrug. Is what you're doing peculiar to you, or is it an American thing? I squint at her. It's where you close yourself off completely while pretending to be transparent, says the woman who I've never seen shed a tear. It's like she has cryophobia or something. Her blindness to her own shortcomings makes me retaliate. We're moving. Her face neutralizes until I'm seeing the same statue that she's accusing me of being. This is your home. Nika's home. The only one she's ever known. I regret losing control. This was not supposed to go like this. But I understand, she says. I hold my breath. It's one of the many mistakes I made. Nicola should have seen me loved by a man. Nicola will need the same thing. I don't want to. You're only 30 years young, Lena. You can still find love. I don't want love. I wipe my wet cheek with the back of my hand. Maybe not now, but you will. And when you do, you have my blessing. She joins me on my seat, but I wish she would move. I don't want to do this right now, or ever. Talking about loving someone other than Nicolo hurts too much. Why can't she see that she's hurting me? Three. Every time I obsess over something I'm dreading doing, it never happens the way the nightmare says it will. Now that Maria forced me to tell her, I have to tell Nicola. I spent too much time worrying about Maria to consider how hard it would be to break the news to Nicola. The best thing about my baby being so young is that anything with sugar in it will help me to butter her up. A stroll downtown and a gelato with the works later, and I'm ripping the band-aid off of the truth. Okay, Mommy. I don't know how to respond to her quick acceptance, so I squeeze her tiny hand and look down at her. After a few moments of concentrated eating, she asks, Can we take our house with us? No, honey. We'll get a brand new house. I bend down and pick her up when she starts to cry. Hey, 
how about we keep this house? And when we come to visit Nona and Bisnona, we can come back. Okay. Now, eat your gelato before it melts too much. I put her down before she can see me cry. I don't have to fight Nicola to go down for a nap when we get back home. Even though she doesn't understand what's going on, it doesn't stop me from feeling guilty. I go to my office to get some work done. This room should be my sanctuary. Instead, it's a temporary distraction to keep my mind off of him. I stare out the glass wall that overlooks the infinity pool. Past the pool is the never-ending coastline. Everywhere I look, beauty surrounds me. But I can enjoy none of it. I grab my tablet and push away from my desk. My company provides a platform for independent authors to publish their work. Ever so often, an author requests to have an editor read their story for advice. Regardless of the advice we give, they are free to publish. I wrap myself in the faux fur throw on the back of my chase lounge and sit down. I check my inbox for reading requests. A story titled, Remember, catches my eye. I tap on the link and the document loads. When I read the first line, I sit up in my seat, peel off the throw, and kick my bronze gladiator sandals off. My heart won't stop kicking in my chest as the words absorb into me. The author writes, I am alone, and it's not the self-pitying aloneness that we all must feel at times. It's the kind of alone that feels like a companion. It nags me that something is missing. I read on to the end of the chapter and close my eyes. A tear streams down my cheek as the last line rings over and over in my head. This is a true story, written by a real person. I don't know who I am. Four. Before my thoughts drift too far away, Nicola wakes up. I'm glad that she's up, because this story is affecting me too much. I always choose the stories that touch me, but this story isn't fiction. It's real. And somehow that makes every word the author wrote carry more weight. Our pending move makes Nicola want to spend every waking hour with her grandmothers. I know it's a good thing to give them this time, but it's only going to make leaving that much harder to do. Knowing that time with her grandmothers is best, I allow her to have plenty of alone time with them. On the weekend, I take her to Maria's. I don't tell her that she can keep Nicola with her until after dinner. Thank you. Maria hands me a plate and I dry it. No problem. She bumps into me. What? I want to see you smile again. I almost drop the next plate she gives me, but I recover. You will love again if you let it happen, Lena. Don't keep punishing yourself. I look at her, 
I hate how much she knows what she's talking about. It makes every bit of advice she gives me feel worse. Nicola races into the kitchen and demands that I come for breakfast in the morning. She looks up at me with her tiny lips poked out until I tell her the exact time I'll arrive. Okay, Mommy, I'll set the alarm. She looks over at her Nona. Can you set your alarm for 7 o'clock? You bet, sweetie. I kiss Nicola, and she turns to run off. Make sure you go potty when Nona tells you to. Okay, she says with hunched shoulders. I ignore the voice that wants to take Nicola home while we hug in the driveway. I'll be right back, okay? Okay, Mommy. You can use my nightlight if you get scared. Thank you. I pass her to Maria, then climb into the tan skeleton jeep. I put on a cheerful face and wave my baby goodbye. All through dinner, I don't know who I am haunts my mind. The finality of that statement reaches down into the depths of my emotions. When I get in the house, I take Nicola's nightlight to my office to finish the story. Five. My mind is in hyperdrive by sunrise. The story I read is still coursing through my veins like it's on the smart speaker in my house. The author has amnesia. His name is Manuel, and he's an ESL teacher in Barcelona. He believes that if he tells anyone that he can't remember who he is, that he will be committed, or worse. He lives a quiet life that screams utter aloneness. He thinks that he was brutalized by someone and left for dead. Were it not for the Samaritan-like kindness of Pascal Rodriguez, he knows that he would be dead. Pascal nursed Manuel's wounds until he made enough of a recovery to work for his room and board. Pascal vowed to keep Manuel's existence a secret. As a condition of his trust, Manuel had to leave his home and never speak of what happened. Pascal forbade Manuel from shaving his facial hair and told him where he could find low-key work. Manuel is a natural at teaching children and adults to speak English. Somehow, Manuel speaks English fluently. Despite his English-speaking skills, Manuel doesn't believe that he's American. Pascal was even more anxious for Manuel to leave when he heard him mumbling in other languages. Pascal warned Manuel that somebody like him wasn't meant to be alive with or without memories. When the thought to help Manuel find his home intrudes into my mind, I know that I'm not going to change my mind. I decided to leave Nicola with Maria while I visit our new home. As much as it hurts to think about being so far away from Nicola, I can't have peace until I help him. Six. Maria is as happy as I knew she would be to keep Nicola. A shadow fell over her dark eyes when I told her I was looking at homes in Barcelona. I can't stand having her think that I'd actually want to live in Barcelona, of all places. 
but I can't give Manuel away. This is a mission that no amount of words can describe. This is the right thing to do, and I won't allow anybody to talk me out of it. As alone as I may feel, Manuel has nothing, and something about that fact won't leave me alone. Mommy, what time will you be here for breakfast? My eyes missed. I won't, honey. But you won't have anything to eat, Mommy. I will, honey. I just won't be here to eat it with you. I want to make sure that our new home is perfect for us. Okay, sweetie? Okay, Mommy. She hugs me, then disappears upstairs to her playroom. I busy myself washing dishes while Maria goes to the grocery store. In all the distraction with Manuel's story, I forgot that I could see Nicola every day over FaceTime. It makes me so happy to have a way to see her beautiful face while I'm gone that I race up to her playroom to tell her. I book a flight for Monday. My plan is to sign up for his class, then introduce myself to him. I'm hoping against hope that he'll be so excited to hear how much I loved his story that he'll allow me to help him. The way Nicola clings to me at the airport almost makes me stay in Italy. Thoughts that somebody is waiting to do this to Manuel makes me give her back to Maria. As bad as this feels, I can't be worse than living and dying, not remembering who you are. 7. My heart does not slow down for the entire two-hour flight. The only thing that keeps me from passing out is one of many lines that I memorized from Manuel's book. I don't know what hurts more, not being able to remember who I am or knowing that no one is looking for me. It's not hard to admit that this God-forsaken place is beautiful. I'd conjured images of a desolate ghost town in my head. Barcelona is lacking none of the beauty that Italy has. The vibrant play of colors used in the architecture almost makes me smile. The people look like living paintings with the way they wear such bold colors and prints. I walk the strip to the entrance of the Placa Real. I check in and go up to my room. I walk over to the large window and pull the heavy curtains all the way back. I stare at the fountain sculpture, spitting large arches of water into a shallow pool. The polished cement is so shiny that I can see the reflections of the patrons as they stroll by. A little girl that reminds me of Nicola pulls on her mother's skirt and reaches for the ice cream cone. I call Nicola on FaceTime. Her nostrils are the first sight I see of her when our call connects. Can you see me, Mommy? I can see your boogies. Scoot back a little bit. She pulls her head back and makes me laugh at how she's pulling her neck back with all her might. Fold the covers like I showed you so you can set it down. The screen goes black while she fumbles with it. She's one huge smile when she finally gets it set up. Hi, honey. I miss you already. 
Can you find our house yet? I just got here, sweetie. She looks down at her laced fingers. What is it, baby? I like it here with Nona. I think we should stay here with her, Miss Nona. I'll think about it, okay? Nicola's smile returns full throttle. Now, give me a big kiss. We both kiss the screen. Where's Nona? She said she wanted me to talk to you by myself like a big girl. And you are a very big girl. Tell her I'll call tomorrow. Okay, Mommy. Bye-bye. She disconnects and I wipe my eyes. I doubt I'll ever be able to go a full 24 hours without crying. I look around the emptiness of my suite and realize that this is the first time I've been alone in three years. Anytime I think about Nicolo at home, Nicolo's there to make me suck it back in. Nicola isn't here now. There's nothing but space and opportunity to cry. It doesn't take long for the images of his memorial service to pop back into my mind. As private as we wanted it to be, Italy would hear nothing of it. There were three days of parades commemorating the soccer team's deaths. I shook more hands and hugged more people than I thought possible. After the hundredth handshake, it was impossible to feel sorry for myself. Something about the public affair made me hold my emotions in check until I could grieve in private. Once I got back home, Maria all but moved in to make sure I was eating and taking care of myself. She was like a broken record reminding me how too much grief could hurt the baby. She'd done a thorough enough job of scaring the shit out of me that I fought the sadness like a boxer. There was no way in hell I was going to do anything to lose our baby. Without the public to watch my every sneeze and no Maria to scare the pain away, my body loses the ability to hold erect. I crumple on the bed and clutch at the comforter until I'm holding on so tight that my knuckles ache. Instead of the crying, I howl into the covers until my throat is raw. I force myself to stop before I lose my voice completely. Hot tears push underneath my closed lids while I lay down and wait until it's time to go to Manuel's class. Room service and a shower help me to get something close to calm. When I'm dressed, I smile at myself and twirl around in the mirror. I don't feel anywhere as nice as the magenta maxi dress looks on me. Maria's always telling me how beautiful I am. Hopefully, Manuel would agree with Maria and be that much more willing to let me help him. I run the brush through my pixie cut and breathe in and out with every stroke. When my scalp starts to hurt from the abuse, I put the brush down and slide my Italian gold bangle on my left wrist. I didn't realize until after Nicolo died that I've worn it every day since the first day we met. Eight. The cab driver eyes me for the entire three-mile trip. 
I wish I could ask him what his problem is, but I can't remember enough Spanish. When I pay the cab driver, he looks at me like I still owe him. I hold the thumb up and hope that that's a yes. He thanks me and I get out. It doesn't dawn on me until he's a block away that he was waiting to see if I needed change. A cool breeze umbrellas my dress when I cross the passageway. I practice my Italian on the walk down to building C. Why I'm sneaking around, I don't know. But none of this is making much sense now that I'm here. I keep my head down and walk to the back of the classroom. I don't make eye contact with any other students. All I want to do is get through this hour and 50 minutes and then talk to Manuel. I'm so glad the man in the front of me is wide enough that I don't have to figure out a way to hide my face. When the class goes silent, I know that Manuel's here. Not a soul moves while he scribbles something on the chalkboard. He must be well-liked to have everybody's attention so completely. I tip over to the side to get a quick glance at Manuel. He's bending over, reading something on his desk. He has to flip his thick black hair back in place when he stands back up. I'm sinking and I can't stop. Sounds spill out of my mouth until the same scorching howls erupt from my throat. I call his name, but I can't hear anything. It's like I'm submerged in a hot bath and a giant is forcing my head under. Before the world around me extinguishes, his face is closing in on mine. I reach for him, but the giant won't stop pushing me under. A man that I've never seen in my life is pushing me back down on the floor, telling me things in Spanish. I catch enough to know he said ambulance. He's too strong to fight against. So I lay back down and shield my eyes from all the people gawking down at me. When the fat man bends over to get his soda, I sit up. I try to stand, but my legs are on a five-second delay. When the fat man notices me, he holds a protective hand out in case I fall back down. I almost do twice. Two of the four women in class hug me and point to the front of the room where they say, I'll be all right. When I'm in my seat, the fat guy points his pint of Pepsi at me but I hold one hand up. I need to know what happened from someone who can actually speak English. I slap my hand over my mouth and whimper with my head down on the desk. A hand lands on my bare shoulder and I can't look up. A litany of Spanish makes me trust that it isn't him. I can't take that sick joke again. He speaks to me in the best English he can and I answer as best I can. I can give you a ride, the MT says after listening to me tell him that I'm fine. I shake my head so hard that it starts hurting, but I smile through it anyway. Thanks, Albert, but I'll be fine. He walks with me down the corridor. He meets back up with his partner, has a short conversation, and then climbs back inside the truck. Get a fucking grip, crazy. He's not Nicolo. Before I start bawling again, Manuel runs over. Miss, are you okay? I bend over and grab my knees. 
Manuel places his hand on my back and looks down the street after the ambulance. Let me get them back. No! Please, let me help you. The Placa Real. I'm sorry? Do you know it? Yes, I, I know it. Meet me at the steakhouse at seven. I don't... Please. I snatch away from him and walk away as fast as I can. I throw up everything I've ever eaten when I get back in my room. I put on the thick terry cloth robe and call Nicola to wish her a good night. I pray I was able to convince them that it was a bad case of hay fever that has me looking so bad. I don't know how I'm going to face Manuel at the restaurant tonight. He looks so much like Nicolo that another look at him is going to get me hauled off to the nut house. I clean up and then pace my room. Puzzle pieces that I cannot control are snapping together in my mind. A reality that threatens to kill me forces me to pay attention to what's screaming in my mind. Manuel is Nicolo. Nine. I begged for Nicolo to come back to me so many times, but I knew it was never going to happen. People don't come back from the dead. They make you stay in this fucked up world by yourself to swim around in the lake of grief they leave behind for you. The investigators couldn't produce Nicolo's body. That didn't stop them from the certainty that the skin tissue fragments they found were his. How was I supposed to know to ask more questions? I should have come to Barcelona. What if he would have survived the crash, only to be killed by somebody on the beach? It's not until I remember his writing that I start calming down. With his memory loss, nothing that I'm doing makes any sense to him. How could it? For all he knows, I'm some mentally disturbed woman who refuses to accept help. I can't guarantee that I'll be able to hold it together tonight. Nothing is clear. But I know I have to show up, if for no other reason than to tell him that I know who he is. 10. Concentrate on my footsteps all the way down to the steakhouse. I hate that I have to look up and see him looking around the room to find me. I stumble at how much he looks like he did inside the hockey rink. I've dreamt about him doing this so many times that it feels like I'm walking inside of my head right now. The concierge asks me if he can assist me, but I manage to point my already occupied table out to him. He walks ahead of me and leads me to the table. When I sink down into the booth seat opposite Nicolo, I avoid his eyes and order a triple vodka neat. I can feel Nicolo's eyes looking at me the same way the concierge is but neither one says anything. The concierge dips his head and slithers off to fill our drink orders. I don't take a glance at Nicolo 
until I have a healthy gulp of vodka in my churning stomach. Nicolo waits for me to tell him what the hell I want. I read your manuscript. I say so low that I'm surprised he hears me. Your L. Sarah? Hearing him say his last name to me makes me down another gulp. He died before we could make it to the altar, but I changed my name anyway. He is not dead. He is sitting across from you, looking at you with the same eyes you see every time you close your eyes. I cut my mouth and swallow several times before I can go on. I'm Lena Sarah of New Publishing House. I love your story. My throat clogs and I have to stop. More swigs of vodka push me on. You should definitely publish your work. We need to know what happened. He halts his mug of beer in the air for a few seconds before he drinks. I'm not crazy. Something has happened is all. My lips quiver while he waits for me to go on. I promise you I can explain myself. But I can't do it here. Come to room 306 and I'll do my best to tell you what's going on. I finish my drink and push myself up from the table. An hour later, he's at my door. I open the door and he slips inside with no greeting. He sits on the couch and grasps at the front of his hair while I find a way to sit down next to him. Thank you for coming. A smothering need to touch him makes me ball my fist. Drink? He shakes his head and I lower back down. What do you mean by we need to know? Manuel says. I grab my tablet and hesitate before I open the photo app. I don't know how smart it is to bombard him with so much all at once. But I'm already off to a bad start. This day can't end much worse. Who's that? He points to my Nicola wallpaper photo. I gulp. Her name is Nicola. It takes some time for him to digest her name. When he looks like he can take more, I give him a little bit more. She's my daughter. Our daughter. Your mom's Maria. And your grandmother's Daphne. You're from Italy. He leaps up from the couch, and I'm terrified he's leaving. But he paces the same path I did earlier. I wait for him to sit back down. When he does, I've found the video his cousin Anthony shot the night he proposed to me.
Antony's camera is pointed to the firework finale when the video starts. Seconds into the video, Nicolo's voice erupts until sounds of his anguish fill the room. I look down at the video, and it's still showing the fireworks show. Nicolo knocks the tablet on the couch and wraps his arms around me until I can't breathe. St. Louis, Nicolo chants into my ear until his voice turns into whispers. Epilogue. No doctors could explain Nicolo's memory recovery. No doctor could save Daphne after her massive heart attack. She had a smile on her face when we pulled the plug on her life support machine. Nicolo withdrew for several weeks after his grandmother's death. He didn't come back around until Maria told us how bad Daphne's drinking had gotten. Having Nicolo back was as painful as believing that he was dead. When he absorbed what had happened to his team and coach, I didn't think he could come back from it. His survivor's remorse was the worst thing I've ever seen a human being suffer. Nicolo was the ray of hope that pulled Nicolo out of the drowning darkness. She doted on him like she did her baby dolls and stuffed animals. She made up the words to stories that she couldn't read yet and combed his hair. I tried to stop her from putting barrettes and clips in it, but he let her do it every time. The morning that I knew that he was back for good was when he was up before me. His depression kept him in bed all day. Good morning, I say to his back. I stand at the door of his office and watch him staring out the window. He turns around and his mustache and beard are gone. Thank you for listening to Lena, part three of the Love Chronicles short story series. I hope you enjoyed the conclusion to Lena and Nicolo's love story. And who knows, there may be more to come from these two. It is my distinct pleasure to create these stories and to bring them to you. If you have enjoyed what you heard, I hope that we will be able to meet again in the next story.